0: Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Today's guest is Brian Posehn, one of the comedians of comedy a decade ago, and now, for the first time... The star of a feature film is Uncle Nick and the dark new Christmas classic of the same name. Posehn has produced multiple metal music tracks with the greats of heavy metal, hosted a podcast of adults playing Dungeons and Dragons, and for the past few years has co-written the comic book Deadpool, which has been adapted for a major motion picture coming out in early 2016. The grown-up Posehn has seen almost all of his dreams come true, but he had some back-breaking growing pains, which he tells me all about as well as how he became best friends with Patton Oswald during a comedy contest, and how he fell in with Bob and David and Mr. Show. So let's get to it! Brian Posehn, thanks for joining me here on the yeah, yeah. podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, last things first, you're the star of Uncle Nick. Mm-hmm. When you were a kid, having Christmases in Sacramento, did you dream of being a lead actor in a, in a feature film?
1: No. I, I had low aspirations. I, I, I did. I, I never thought I was going to be a stand-up comic. I just, you know, back then, there weren't that. It wasn't, you know, that was way before Comedy Central when there was a million comics. And when I grew up, the big ones were big, you know? And right. I just never thought of that as something I was going to do, but I remember Knowing what a character actor was and finding that appealing, I remember being. What age was that? Maybe around ten, where I kind of knew what that was, and I went, "Oh, that sounds cool." And then I remember seeing sitcoms, and I never wanted to be the lead, but I I always remember going, uh, "Well, that looks fun to do, like what Jim J. Bullock did, or you know, (laughs) to come in and play like a goofy character, and then walk out." And then have everybody else kind of Ted Knight carries the show. So you're saying you watched too close for comfort? Yeah, you're I absolutely <laughs> did. And uh, that was that was one of those ones where I was like, "What that guy does looks fun." Yeah. And then later on, you know, shows like Cheers, I remember seeing Woody Harrelson and going, "Oh, that's awesome!" You know, I, I remember thinking that would be a fun thing to do. And then I wound up doing that, you know, playing parts like Kevin on Just Shoot Me and all these other things where I I didn't have to carry something.
0: How does it feel now to to carry carry something? Something.
1: Uh, Super cool. I mean, as an actor, you know, that's what I was saying as a kid. But then as my career went on, I was waiting for something like this, quite honestly. I was, you know, um, other friends I'd see get breaks and and I always went, ah, yeah, that would be cool to kind of carry a movie. Mm -hmm. And, and. and then when the script came about, you know, I at first didn't read it. Uh, it came on my desk, and my friend had told me it was written for me, and I went, well, that can't be good, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And uh, kind of, you know, I always kind of have a little boohoo party in my head, so there was a little bit of that, but then it took my friend, uh, it was Jerry Duggan, the guy I write Deadpool right. with. He knew um, the director and writer of this film, and they, they passed the script on to him. Thinking it would get to me faster than an agent would have. Sure. But I still sat on it, like, must have been a couple of weeks, and Jerry finally went, Hey, asshole, uh, read this thing. He, like, they wrote it for you. It's really good. I read it. You know, you'll be great. And then I read it and went, Oh, okay. And immediately signed on, mm-hmm. you know, and then it was like, uh, I was on, you know, once they got me, they cast around me, and I wound up helping out with some of that. So. Uh, it, How would you compare
0: Uncle Nick to the the Last Christmas, which is the comic you did with Jerry?
1: Well, it's definitely. Uh, I mean, I, on first look, it's kind of anti-Christmas, but I think both of them uh, are redeeming stories. I mean, both of them, you know, you wind up, you know, feeling for both characters, and mm-hmm. also Christmas. They, I, I think, at the end of the day, they're not anti-Christmas films. They're just different. Different takes on Christmas different levels of the apocalypse <laughs> one yeah, yeah. one is worldwide one is in right. a home right but 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 in, in the end, end of, th- at the th- end of last Christmas, Santa's inspired to carry on, right. you know in the beginning, he doesn't want to do Christmas ever again, that's why it's called the last Christmas, right. and with this one, you know this guy doesn't want to be there and and uh and then winds up you know making connections and you know don't spoil it, yeah, but <laughs> you know what I mean, it all. But, go, but going
0: yeah. so, but going back to when you were a kid, what what was Christmas for le, e, for you like then?
1: Uh, small. It, I was uh, raised by a single parent, and I'm an only child. So, and then I, my uh, extended family or my grand there wasn't a big. We didn't have big crazy Christmases. Um, there would be drama, but it was all smaller scale. You know, it was just my grandma and my great grandma fighting over a pie or some shit. You know. Uh, (laughs) that kind of thing would happen, but, uh, it was always on a smaller scale, like at my grandma's apartment. What kinds of things did you want for Christmas and get as a kid, you know, I wanted, uh, you know, without sound and sad, I I mean, my mom didn't have a ton of money, so, uh, it was always pretty small. Mm -hmm. And The things I wanted were, uh, I can't really remember. You know, my greatest Christmas gifts have been yeah. in my uh, later age. You know, it's <laughs> been my wife buying me like a Gibson Explorer two years ago. Okay. Those are the great ones. You know, the stuff as a kid. I remember one Christmas. This is uh, it's I, I sound like such a dick in this story. But um, well, we didn't talk about content. Am I okay? Is it words word so far? All right. Um, as long as the words. Uh, Actually, noises are fine, too. What happened? And I didn't know this. My mom needed help financially one Christmas, mm-hmm. so she had my grandparents buy me a really nice winter jacket that I really needed. Okay, and uh, I was upset that I didn't get a toy from my grandparents mm. and instead got this jacket and had a total meltdown. I was nine, but still, I I, I, d- I I did one of those kind of a dick. And now looking back on it, you know, like oh my poor mom, and I made this big scene. You know, it was just the three of us. It was well four of us. It was my, my grandma and grandpa. And then my mom and I, they came over to our house and brought me this jacket to help her out, mm-hmm. uh, which I didn't know at nine years old. But, you know, I was like, you know, where's my present? Where's, this isn't a present. This yeah. is just a stupid jacket. It's just clothes. Ugh. <laughs> I still look back on that one like, oh, man, give them a break. You know,
0: did you ever ask for anything acting or comedy related?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, a um, lot of records. Uh, the first I, I worship those early Steve Martin records. I, I think I, th- I got comedy. Uh, Comedy's not pretty uh, as a ra- as a Christmas gift. And I got um, Robin Williams' uh, "Reality What a Concept" as a Christmas gift too. Oh, nice. Uh, the first one, like "Let's Get Small," I had gotten on my own. But then uh, I feel like maybe even "Wild and Crazy Guy," and then like. Um I remember getting one Christmas I got that um Steve Martin book, uh Cruel Shoes. Oh, okay. that was as a gift. Uh so yeah, I mean those were things I would ask for as I, I well, in my early teens as I got into comedy, you know. If if Jim J. Bullock was the first character actor to He to wasn't probably like, it's more like um I'm trying to think of other ones where there was a big goofy guy on um well not on well on Coach, but that was later. Yeah. There was this what was the Rickles show um, where he was uh, Don Rickles was like um, uh, one of the military shows? yeah the military one and he had this really big goofy guy with glasses on that I mean I remember I didn't seeing, watch that as a kid I remember seeing small parts like that always Jim J. Bullock's the one that really rings because I watched that show a lot mm-hmm. and that was like oh that guy's kind of got an easy job <laughs> you know where he just comes in be silly and then walks out you know what, so did you pursue acting first or comedy no, first no i mean it or what did you pursue for what what was your first plan stand-up okay but i never had a plan you know i, I just was like i want to do this and uh, i think in the beginning i was like it was kind of fake i i did like not a real persona i i because I, at that time at the late 80s uh people were doing big characters you right. know uh Bobcat did the Bobcat thing, and, and uh, even you know guys had nicknames like um, Bobby Slayton was the pit bull of comedy, and I felt like that was important, like to have like a hook. So I called myself the Piranha in the beginning, mm. embarrassingly enough, and and uh, I had long hair. I didn't look anything like I look now. I was super skinny and kind of going for this Jeff Spicoli thing and kind of trying to be the anti polly Shore. Polly Shore was around then. And, and I was he like, was the
0: weasel, so you're the Yeah, palana. well,
1: no, but I was like, I'm going to be more aggressive than that. I'm going to be... He was so kind of, hey, buddy. You know, and I wanted to be more like... You and, know, I wanted to be more metal.
0: And were you in Northern California when Yeah, you I was. I
1: started stand-up in Sacramento. How did you start? I grew up in Sonoma, but my mom kicked me out when I was 17. Okay. And I moved in with my German grandfather in Sacramento and that's where I started comedy. I just uh, decided I was gonna try, and uh, this buddy, I worked at a McDonald's of all places, and my buddy Mm -hmm. that I worked on the Fry Vat with, he was like the guy who kind of pushed me to even try. Mm -hmm. And we went, um, so I turned, I was 20, and I called this uh, stand-up club in town, and uh, they were like, well, you gotta be 21 to get in. So, I started writing jokes, and six months later, I turned 21. And then the week I turned 21, my buddy and I went to the club. And did they have I a regular open mic for the first time? Yeah, we we didn't go to the main club. We went to. They told me about another open mic that I should try. Okay, they were pretty helpful. Lo- looking back on it, of like, you know, this dumb kid calling. I don't know where to do this, and then they told me where. You know. And tell me a little bit more about the piranha. Man, there's not much to say. It's just <laughs> it's, it was, I mean it's self explanatory. <laughs> uh, it's pretty misdirected. I mean I uh, you know, I don't know. I just felt like I needed a hook and then early on I went, Yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> I maybe only did the piranha thing a year and a half. I had one okay. I had one eight by ten, my early eight by 10s says Brian, the piranha Poseidon in quotes on it, but are they in uh, any clubs? Have you No, 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 no. That was way before that. The only way you would ever see that is at my house oh where, where is it in <laughs> your, where is it in your house no i i, I in a file f- tucked away okay i'm not super proud <laughs> of it but i like the pictures because i look cool with long hair but uh i don't know and then and then how long and some of my friends still bust my balls about the piranha like the guys that i first hooked up with the right. guys like Patton, i had already ditched it but they were aware of it
0: okay know? so where did you go from Sacramento to San Francisco or yeah, that's a lot.
1: seems like the logical move. Yeah. Well, first I went to LA and, uh, broke my back and, uh, went back home, back to Sonoma and sort of regrouped living at my mom's house. Mm-hmm. The second time we got along better a little bit, uh, then, and then I moved to San Francisco from her house. So, um, wait, how did you break your back? Stupid drunk story. I, uh, was full of booze, spent a 14-hour drunk, and uh, we wound up on top of these lifeguard towers down uh, by my house in Long Beach. Mm. And um, My friends jumped off, and they were way more coordinated than I was, and uh, I just drunkenly Mm. flopped into the sand and uh, fractured my L3 vertebrae and uh, wound up being in a hospital for three months. But you know, it sounds corny, but I look back on that. I mean, when I was laying there, the whole thing, I, all I thought about was getting back up and doing stand-up again and, and doing it right and, like, committing and, and uh, drinking less. You know, I, I, I was never an alcoholic, but uh, booze was a problem in my, you know, in my teens and 20s mm-hmm. where I would get drunk to that excess. And then, you know, ultimately, it took me, uh, after that, I never drank that much, you know, and uh, got serious about stand-up. And it was like, I'm going to go back to my mom, sort of regroup, I didn't stay there very long. Mm-hmm. I paid off my, insu- I didn't have insurance, so I had to pay oh, wow. off all these, uh, you know, um, uh, hospital debt and mm-hmm. all that. Luckily, the state kind of carried me for, through some of it, but I had to rehab on my own. It was kind of a depressing time, but the whole, uh, while I was staying, I was staying in an old folks home in Long Beach to do most of my recovery, and, uh, you know, just living off the government, and uh, that made me kind of go, well, I gotta, I don't want to be this dude, man. I want to get serious about this thing I really love. So what did you do
0: differently when you
1: started again? Uh, I think I just tried harder, (laughs) you know, and got serious about it. And uh, San Francisco was such a better choice than L.A. at that time. What year was this? Uh, So I moved to San Francisco. Well, the first time I moved to L.A., was at uh, eighty nine ninety, and then by 91, I moved to San Francisco after uh, my accident and recovering at my mom's. And it was uh, a very vibrant scene then. Yeah, man, and that's where I met a bunch of my still friends, you know. I met Greg Barrett, Margaret Cho, uh, Patton and I wound up being roommates. Uh, Blaine Kapach, I met. Um, all these guys that are still my friends. How know? did you
0: end up being roommates with Patton for the first time?
1: Um, he had just moved from D.C. He was living on a uh, voiceover guy and from Reno 911, Carlos Alves Rocky. He was living on Carlos's couch. I don't know how they, I think they had made a connection because Carlos had been out on the East Coast and had met Patton. So Patton moved from DC uh, with Blaine. Blaine made the move around then. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was living with another comic and it wasn't going well. And I was complaining about it. Patton and I were doing this competition together, this San Francisco comedy competition. Yeah, that's competition. The big <laughs> Um, it's and we deal. were driving around for a week and, and he and I just hit it off. Like he had a, he had a really funny Spider-Man joke in his act about Spider-Man in Kansas and how there would be no way, uh, you know, <laughs> where, would he fly? where would he fly, you know, yeah. and it was really smart and nerdy, but you didn't see, nobody did that kind of stuff back right. then. And I had a river's edge joke <laughs> that he really loved, uh, or I talked about feckweed, you know, uh, from that. And so he and I hit it off. He's mm-hmm. like, "Hey, I like that I like that thick weed reference." And I'm like, "Well, you're fucking Spider-Man. <laughs> thing's awesome." And we wound up just hitting it off. And this poor guy, can't even remember the guy's last name, um, but he was another comic doing the competition. He would he had a car, a decent car, so we, he was driving the three of us around t- for the competition. And he was kind of a well, he was a Christian guy, and he didn't have that much in common with us and. Pa- I feel bad because Patton and I hit it off that week and we're driving in the back, you know, he and I, Patton and I are talking about serial killers and all this other (laughs) twisted shit. Yeah. And, you know, the beginning of like John Woo movies and that kind of stuff we were all into. And this poor guy had nothing in common with the the two heathens (laughs) in his car. On Uh, these road trips from night to night. Yeah. And then we wound up moving in together. That was that week where I was like, Hey man, I hate my roommate. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm living on Carlos Alas Rocky's couch. I gotta figure something out. And we want to find a place in, uh, in the city. And then friends ever since, man. Wow. And how'd you fall in with the Mr. Show guys? That was uh, David Cross first. Mm-hmm. Uh, David was coming to San Francisco a lot and playing the improv then, uh, which we had. Uh, improv died in San Francisco in like 94, right after I left that place went belly up and uh so I was friends with David first and Janine and that whole crowd and then when I moved down here I met Bob but I was already a fan because I love the Ben Stiller show that came out around the time when David was starting to hang out with us up there yeah, yeah and so I came thinking Bob was really funny and Bob and I, we still are. Both of us are kind of antisocial sometimes, and we're bo- are socially retarded, you know, amongst our friends all. We, we have sort of the same personality. And I met him at, there was a Virgin Records in, in L.A., and he came up to me because I was wearing a sub-pop jacket that said Loser on it, and uh, Bob thought that was funny. And then we started talking, and he, you know, he goes, I think you know some of my friends. And I was kind of a dick to him, even though I liked him. Mm -hmm. But I was just like, yeah, I know Cross. You know, just not giving up much. And uh, he kind of liked that. Bob liked that I was kind of this uh, curmudgeon already at 23, you know. And we've been friends ever since. We both kind of connected where we're like, oh, we don't like people, do we?
0: (laughs) But then you fast forward to now, and... You know, you got the gang all back together mm-hmm. again, and uh, you're all mature. Well, maybe not mature, but well, you're right. all. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're all adults <laughs> now. Right. But like you said earlier, you get you feel like you're getting all your Christmas presents as an adult. Yeah. Man. I mean, you've done all this metal stuff with big metal
1: yeah. band heroes. Things have
0: worked out. Writing writing the comic book Deadpool, which is now
1: mm. going to be a huge motion picture. Right. Uh, it's been cool man playing Dungeons and Dragons uh, and but it sort of organically happened where all my interests sort of paid off you know Um, there isn't really much I haven't done anything with wrestling but other than (laughs) that you know I mean of all the things I'm into I've Mm -hmm. gotten to you know mess around with comic books horror movies uh, you know um, what am I oh heavy metal I mean I've gotten to dabble in mm. all that stuff. If, if I get to go on WWE and uh, uh, destroy The Undertaker, that, then, <laughs> I'll, then I'll quit. That'll be everything that I love. You've been able to, to, to make it through
0: a boom, a, bu- a bust, and now we're in another comedy boom period. Uh-huh. What, have you, what have you learned about, about where comedy is, or what do you think comedy is at now? since you've been through a boom and bust period?
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't really ever think about everybody else. <laughs> you know, I don't, um, no, it's a, it's but, a natural thing. Uh, I mean, I, I love my place. I love that 20 years in, I have fans and, or it's more than 20 years. I mean, I've been doing, Oh God, I didn't want to think about how many years I've been doing it, but I love my place in the stand up world. And, and, uh, And I love that stand-up, it is, uh, yeah, it's not just a boom. I feel like now it's it's considered, you know, it's like a form of entertainment, and and it was kind of struggling at one point, but I feel like now it's not going to go anywhere, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? I mean, it was just 10 years ago that you did Comedians of Comedy
0: Tour. Right. When it was pretty kind of unique and revolutionary to
1: be, Go into these rock clubs mm-hmm. but now there's comedy everywhere right and there's huge comedy stars and stuff that uh, you know people hadn't played like Madison Square Garden since the 80s and now all my friends are doing it it's yeah. crazy you know how how popular stand-up is so
0: uh, I usually wrap by asking each of my guests what's I guess for you I'll ask what's either the last great advice you've received or or the first thing that that you tell somebody who, they look at your resume and they go, man, how do you make all your childhood dreams come true?
1: Um,
0: Whether or not you get wrestling checked off on the list, how do you?
1: (laughs) Well, the the advice I give to starting stand-ups is, uh, you know, commit, man. Mm -hmm. It's like getting good at anything. You know, if you wanna be a good guitar player, you gotta play every day, you know what I mean? It's like any, It's it, to me, it seems like obvious advice, but I don't think people think of it that, you know. Um, I look back on, the. I don't think I'd be where I was if I didn't have the obsession period where I got really obsessed with stand-up. And then I also value uh, what my friends brought, to, or being friends with the clique I was friends with, to me, helped me get to where I am. I mean, you know, the obvious ways of you know, Bob and David hiring me, but it also, being friends with a guy like Patton Oswald makes you try harder, mm. you know? Cause that guy's never been anything but driven, you know? And I, I I wasn't always, you know, part of it's being a stoner and, you know, there's the other part of me just not caring half the time, but being around somebody like that is gonna make you try harder in life, you know? Yeah. Well, bro- uh, So I always tell people to be, yeah. you know, find yourself around funny people and then get up on stage all the time, and write all the time.
0: Well, Brian, thank you for sharing some time with me and hey, sharing man. everything uh, on Uncle Nick. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really appreciate it. Right on, man. Last
1: first.
0: This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brezel at Showbiz Studios.